Ooh, good morning. Am I on? I'm on. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Foundry Community Church. Welcome if you're watching online as well. Thank you for joining us. My name's Lois and I'm part of the team here and I've already heard some great ones. I heard a great one at the back. What are the phrases that get on your nerves? Connor, what did you say? Have you got a minute? You know it's never going to be good if someone says, you've got a minute. Yeah, anybody else got a phrase? Yeah, Daniel? Yeah, doing your chores. You never want to hear about doing the chores, do you? See you like, do you hate that van? <laughs> Rhyming well, never to say see you later to Val. Anybody else annoyed by a phrase? No offence. Yeah, because you always say that when you're about to offend someone, don't you? I absolutely agree. Um, I've got a phrase. It's a word that I hate. It's a, a fake word. It doesn't even make any sense. And I mentioned it a while ago, but she preserved my anonymity. But I would like to reveal myself today as the hater of the word hollybobs. I hate the word hollybobs. If you don't know what it means, it's a word people say to mean holiday, but instead of saying they're going on the holiday, they say they're going on the hollybobs and they've not even saved any syllables. It makes no sense. It really grinds at my gears when people say the word hollybobs. Um, another thing that annoys me is if you have lost something, which <laughs> if you may, happens a lot. Um, and you don't know where something is, and someone will say to you, well, where were you when you last had it? Well, if I knew that, it wouldn't be lost, would it? That one really gets on my nerves. Here's another one. I feel like I'm in an open therapy session. I'm just going to get it all out. Um, here's another one. Um, but this is a phrase that people say when they're trying to be helpful. I think people that say this mean well, and it's when you tell them something that you're worried about, and they go, well, try not to worry about it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, now you've said that and given me permission to not worry about it. I'll just forget all my worries. It's fixed in an instant. It makes me more worried if you say, do not worry. It's just not a helpful thing to say. And guess who went on record and said it? Jesus. Sorry, I wasn't blaspheming. Actually, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus went in the Bible and said the words, do not worry. Oh my goodness, I'm going to get the sack. Um, he actually said the words, do not worry, followed swiftly by people like Bob Marley and lots of other people. But Jesus said it first. He said the words, do not worry. And there's a bit of a contradiction here because Jesus doesn't give out flippant, flimsy, useless, annoying advice. Jesus gives out truthful advice. And when Jesus says something, he means it. And he means what he says. And he says everything to help us. He doesn't say things to frustrate us. He gives us life advice to help us. So when Jesus says, do not worry, it's actually there to help us. And so we're going to look at a part of the Bible today where Jesus really did say the words, do not worry. And it's in the New Testament of the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew. It's in chapter 6. And we've been reading through chapter 6 of Matthew for a while. So we are in verse 25 to 34 today. If you've got a Bible, feel free to read it along with us. And if not, don't worry, it'll be on the screen. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. It's every chance I'm going to read a different translation. Because this happens every time. And you'll get used to it at some point. Basically... Do not do as I do, do as I say. Is that right? 
I don't know. Anyway, I will read my translation. Follow along behind me. There's loads of different translations. Here's what I'm going to say. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that really is Jesus's life advice. Do not worry. And I've noticed about myself that I am someone, it's a terrible character flaw, I don't really like being told what to do. So if someone says don't do something, I'm like, oh, it makes me want to do it. If I see a sign that has wet paint, do not touch, I want to touch it. If I see a road that's closed and says do not enter, I want to enter it. Obviously don't, I'm a law-abiding citizen. Um, when I was young, though, I remember being on an escalator and <laughs> seeing a big red button that said, do not press when in motion. So I pressed it. Obviously, if you see a button that says, do not press, you press it. And the escalator ground to a halt. And everyone's looking around like, what's that? And I was just thinking to myself, well, that's what happens when you press the button. Because <laughs> if you tell me not to do something, I don't know about you, it makes me want to do it more. So when someone says, do not do this, I need a good enough answer for why not to do it. So as I was reading and preparing and I was saying, God, how can you say do not worry when there is a lot to worry about? And we've seen it reflected in the prayer request today, haven't we? That there is things that people are worried about. So it's not enough just to say, do not worry. I want to help you today by knowing why don't we worry? And then a little bit later, we'll say, well, how can we not worry? So why should we not worry? I've learned three fairly valid reasons for why we don't need to worry. Number one, worry wastes your time. Number two, worry steals your peace. And number three, worry decreases your faith. So number one, worry wastes your time. I don't know if you have ever had a night where you have lay in bed, tossing and turning. You're overthinking a situation. You probably get to the point where you're catastrophizing, where your brain has gone to worst case scenario. Um, or maybe you have this in the day where you're trying to go about life, but your brain, your, the worries are at the front of your brain and it's all you can think about. I've heard it described as stewing without doing, because you're not doing anything other than playing it on repeat in your head. Do you know there's something that happens every time you have a night or a day like that? Without fail, every time, the clock keeps ticking. And that's because time doesn't stop to allow you a little break in life 
to make your worry productive. This isn't Bernard's watch, like time keeps ticking as we worry. Jesus said this in verse 27. Let's read the screen. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can you add any time to your life by stewing without doing? And the answer is no. Because worry is a time inefficient activity. Nothing is achieved or produced when we worry. And time is an economy that we can never get a refund on. Like time is precious. Time is precious in this life. But worry, as Jesus said, wastes our time. So worry wastes your time. Secondly, worry steals your peace. There's a verse in the Old Testament of the Bible in a book called Proverbs, and Proverbs is full of wise sayings to live by. And this is what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, worry weighs a person down. And worry does weigh heavy. If you're in a difficult season at the moment where you are worried about something, maybe there's someone in your life who's going through something and you are worried about them, I bet you know the heaviness of worry. I bet you can feel it in your shoulders. I bet you feel it in your heart. I bet you can feel it constantly in your head because worry weighs heavy. But Jesus wants you to live light and to live free and to live unburdened. And so worry steals that peace. Worry will steal a peaceful night's sleep away from you. Worry can steal peace between people. Worry steals your peace. And then thirdly, worry destroys your faith. And this is my least favorite verse in this whole section. It's verse 30, where Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? And I read that and I'm like, I don't. Thank you very much, Jesus. I have faith. I can have faith and worry, don't you know? I don't know who I think I am telling Jesus what to do. But actually what Jesus is saying is, do you know, um, your your worry is an evidence of your lack of faith. He's not saying that you've got an absence of faith. He's saying that when you worry, your faith is becoming deficient. You see, the more you worry, the less faith you have. They can't equally exist. They are two things that don't belong together. There are some things in life that don't belong together. Chocolate and cheese. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, they don't belong together. What else doesn't belong together? Sand and sun cream. There's an irony in that one because you tend to need the sun cream when you're near sand. They don't belong together. They cancel each other out. They make each other inefficient. Um, Toothpaste and coffee. Have you ever had that? Have you ever done that where you brush your teeth before your coffee and then you're like, disgusting. One disqualifies the other. Some things in life can't coexist. One will always outweigh the other. And it's like that with worry and faith. The more we worry, the less faith we have. There's a pastor and a preacher and an author called Craig Rochelle, and he has spoken really openly about how he is a man of faith, but he really, really battles with anxiety and with worry. And he put this thought like this. He said, what you worry about most reveals what you trust God with the least. And that is a sucker punch of a sentence. What you worry about most reveals what you trust God with the least. 
You see, the more I worry about money, the less I'm trusting God to provide. The more I worry about my health, the less I'm trusting God to heal. The more I worry about my family, the less I'm trusting God to protect. The more I worry about my future, the less I trust in God's good plan. And it's an uncomfortable thought that I've been reckoning with over the last couple of weeks because it puts the shame on me and it made me start to feel bad, like I'm not getting faith right. But that is not the case. He's just saying, what you worry about reveals what you trust God with. So can I ask you today, what are you worrying about? What are the things that worry you most? Or if I may put it a little bit more uncomfortably, what is it that you trust God with the least? What are the things that you are really struggling to trust God with? In that passage, Jesus lists a few examples. He talks about money and food and clothing and provision. And he talked about those examples because they are what would have been relevant to the people that he was speaking to at the time and of the culture and of the day and of the group that was in front of him because he was talking to people who had very little. He was not talking to rich people. He was talking to people who probably did stay up at night stewing without doing about where am I going to get my next meal from? Where am I going to get money and food to feed my family? And Jesus spoke exactly to that need. And if Jesus spoke to us today, I think the worries of today that he would talk to us about would probably look a bit more like the cost of living and the crazy bills and our frightening statistics about mental health. He'd maybe talk to us about how we worry so much about kids growing up in this scary world. And I say that because I want you to know that though your worry might not be listed in the Bible, God knows your worry. And he speaks directly to your worry, whatever it is, because he knows what is going on in here and what you're feeling in here. He knows it. Jesus knew what worried the people he spoke to then, and he knows what worries you. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows what is consuming your mind. And he isn't saying they're not important. When he says don't worry about it, it's not because he's saying those things aren't significant. He doesn't say don't worry about it because he doesn't think those things are big. He knows they're big. But what he's saying is, I don't want you to carry the weight of that worry alone. You don't need to worry on your own. You don't need to carry the weight of this worry. He wants to help you. He wants to let you live light and free. He wants to take the weight and the burden of worry from you. So worry wastes our time. Worry destroys our peace and worry decreases our faith. They are three great reasons why not to worry. But that doesn't stop me worrying. So how do we overcome worry in a world full of worrying things? Where I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel scared to open up the news because what on earth am I going to see today? How do we overcome worry in a world with frightening statistics about health and about disease? How do we overcome worry in a world that is full of seriously worrying things? Jesus gives us the answer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom. You see, the solution for overcoming worry 
is about changing the lens that we look at worry through. And I need a prop to help me with this. I wear these all the time. Let me just put these on. These, oh my word, I actually can't see anything. These are what I call, are you still there? Yeah, you're still there. These are what I call my worry glasses. See, when I've got these worry glasses on, I am like, am I going to fall? I can't actually see very much because when I wear my worry glasses, my vision is distorted. My focus is all off. In fact, I can't see very much. In fact, the only thing I can see if I'm really focusing is the thing that's worrying me. And that thing that worries me when I'm looking at life through worry glasses is so big and so close and it is consuming everything that I'm taking in around me. When we wear worry glasses, when we look at life through worry vision, we start focusing on the problem. We start thinking worst case, worst case scenario. What if? Yeah, but what if it all goes wrong? Yeah, but what if this doesn't happen? But what if this happens and it's all wrong? That's what happens when we look at life through worry vision because it's all we can see. With worry vision, my eyes just keep focusing on the thing that is worrying me. It feels so big to me and it feels so close. There's no wonder I'm walking through life worried when I look at life with worry vision. But Jesus is like, I'm telling you not to worry. I want you to change the lens that you look through life with. He wants you to fix your focus. He wants you to look at life through a kingdom lens. <laughs> and a kingdom lens, friends, looks like this. This is my kingdom glasses. See, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's about choosing to look at life with kingdom vision. And with kingdom vision, my perspective has changed. What I can see has grown. The things I can see in front of me have expanded. I can see more than just the worry that I could see with these on. With these on, all I could see was my worry, but with this on, I can see beyond my problem. And I can see further than my fear. Because you see, kingdom vision puts our problem into perspective. Seek first the kingdom of God. We overcome worry when we have kingdom vision. With kingdom vision, our perspective changes because what we see changes. We open our eyes up to more than just our worry. With kingdom vision, we can see that, yes, my problem is really big, but my God is bigger. We can see that those bills, that diagnosis, that anxiety feels huge. And it feels like I am out of control. But with kingdom vision, we see that my God is in control. With worry vision, I can only see the worry ahead of me. It's all I can think about. But kingdom vision allows us to see so many more possibilities. Where worry vision takes us to worst case thinking, kingdom vision allows us to see hope and a future. Where worry vision says, I have no idea how I'm going to cope with this. I have no idea how I'm going to pay these bills. Kingdom vision says, the Bible says, my God will meet all my needs. With worry vision, we start thinking, why do these things always happen to me? Why is everything against me? But kingdom vision says, I can see that no matter what I go through in life, my God is with me. Worry vision might say, oh, everything is going wrong. Everything is going wrong. 
God never listens to my prayers, but kingdom vision says, God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you and I will never forsake you. Worry vision will say, I don't think I can do this anymore. I want to give up. And kingdom vision says, this is hard, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We overcome worry by looking at life with kingdom vision. And that is why we have spent the last like six weeks looking, about, looking at rhythms that we can put into our life to help us to connect with God. Because all of the things that we've been talking about over the last six weeks, and you can, if you've just joined us today or online for the first time, you can look on YouTube and watch what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of forgiveness, the rhythm of fasting, the rhythm of, what else have we, what else have we done? Rhythm of putting firm foundations into our life, the rhythm of knowing we are treasured by God. We can put all these things into place in our life because all of those things help us to see life with kingdom vision. And these life rhythms, these daily routines, when we put into, into practice, bit by bit, we begin to change the lens that we look at life with. And you know, having kingdom vision doesn't mean that all your problems will go away. By being able to get up in the morning and saying, God, I know you're in control. I trust you. It, do, it isn't a quick fix for your worry just disappearing. For some reason, for a reason that makes no sense to me, and I ask God regularly, for some reason, difficult things still happen. For some reason, we still face tragedy and heartbreak and great anxiety and great worry. But kingdom vision puts our problems into perspective because kingdom vision says, you are not alone. You are not fighting this battle alone. I am with you. God says, I am for you. God says, I am on your side. God says, I know what you're worrying about, and I know it weighs heavy on you. But if you could just open your eyes and see that I am right there with you, then you would be able to declare, as, to declare as we sang before, that I've witnessed the goodness of God, and that I am going to continue to believe that I will see the goodness of God again. I read this verse um, just this morning and I felt like maybe someone was thinking like, I hear you, but I am crippled with worry and I don't know what to do about it. And this, this verse spoke to me in Psalm 94 verse 19 and it just says, when my worry is great within me, your comfort brings joy to my soul. And I pray that if that's you and you are like, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still worried. I pray that you would know the joy that Jesus has for you today. We're going to sing in a minute. Um, so feel free to stand and prepare your hearts to worship. We're going to sing a song that declares, I am not alone because my God is standing with me. 
and he is fighting my battles with me. And we're going to declare that God is faithful and that even if I can't see him and even if I can't feel him, I believe that he is here with me. So do you want to stand and worship? And before we sing that song, um, there are two things. The first thing is, it might help you to just get your worry off your mind. And if that is you, on the table in the corner over there, we've got some paper and pens um, that you can write your worry in and pop it in the prayer box. And we are going to commit to praying for the thing that worries you. Because if it worries you, then it concerns Jesus. And what concerns Jesus, we will pray for you and we will fight for you in prayer. We're going to believe that we'll see answers to your worries. So if you want to respond to this message throughout this song, there is paper and pen there and the prayer box is in the corner. Or if you're watching online, you might just want to write in the, in the chat section what it is that you'd like prayer for. And then the final thing, um, and I might be so wrong on this, but when we're preparing for a message, we often say like, God, what is it you want to say? Is there anything specific? And I felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me that there's someone who is overcome with worry because they are approaching the age that their parent passed away. And that for some reason is, well, for understandable reasons, is consuming your mind with worry. And if that is you, um, then at the end of our service, I just invite you to come and speak to either myself or Sean, um, who would like to pray for you, because God knows what you're worried about, and he wants to take the weight of your worry from you. You are not alone. God is with you.